Welcome to another edition of the Golden Strip Soundcast, the official podcast of the Golden Strip School of Music. Today we have our head piano teacher, Mrs. Carol Horn. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, like he said, my name is Carol Horn, um, and I have been playing the piano since I was five, um, and then just fell in love with the instrument and um, studied piano performance in college and graduated with my bachelor's degree there. And then, I, but I also spent a lot of time in my sort of middle school and high school years playing in church bands. Um, so after I graduated college, I went to Bible school to sort of hone my improv type church band playing skills and spent some some years um, leading worship from behind the keys, which was really fun. Um, and then uh, throughout all that, all my adult life, I've been teaching piano lessons off and on, but I've been sort of full-time teaching piano lessons for about eight years now. And we found you because you taught my daughter. That's right. Yes, you are. So you're a very special teacher to us here at <laughs> the school. <laughs> you agreed to come here and continue teaching with our daughter. What What is your overall approach to teaching, whether it's a little little guy or a teenager. I know you have to have a different approach for each one, but what's your like general overall approach to teaching? Sure. Um, I like to teach when I'm teaching how to read music, which is one of my focuses. Mm -hmm. I like to teach the logic behind it. I like for the students to understand why the lines and the dots and the spaces mean what they mean so that they can use logic to um, figure out what they're supposed to be doing when they get home rather than a rote approach, which um, is a pretty common approach. Right. Like this sort of every good boy does fine or even what they are. I don't know. I don't remember the rhymes, which proves to me that um, they're not effect as effective right. as a sort of logic approach. So that's how I... Um, approach teaching to read. But one of the things that I always emphasize um, from day one, whether it's a teenager or a six-year-old or an adult beginner, that I really want them to learn how to make beautiful sounds out of the instrument. The piano is a really easy instrument to play, right? All you got to do is push the note down. <laughs> if you say but, so. <laughs> but it's not easy to make it beautiful. And so I try to give them impart skills for playing smooth and soft and loud. And we move around the piano, the top and the bottom, a lot from the very, very beginning. We don't stay in middle C position or in right. C position um, because it's a it's a huge, beautiful instrument. And all of it is is uh, wonderful. So I like to sort of teach that from the beginning. Right. And speaking of beautiful sounds, one of my favorite things is when I'm here and all of a sudden I hear you playing the grand piano out in the performance area, I just like get totally distracted from whatever it is I'm doing and just sit there and listen to you play. It's just so awesome. Yeah. Well, it's really fun to do. So <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you find is the best thing about teaching music? About teaching. Well, I really like people. Um, so, and I like kids. I like, I mean, I like all kinds of people, but to me, building relationship with the kids, you know, the first couple of months, there's always like 
nerves and they're, you know, they're making mistakes and saying, oh, I played it better at home. But then after a couple of months where they sort of relax and we start building trust with each other, then, um, then that the nerves kind of go away. And that's a really fun moment. Um, I really love watching aha moments when it, when a, a student gets something all of a sudden or, um, when they realize, oh, that really sounded nice. That was really fun to do. Right. I love watching those moments too. Are there any, I don't want to say worse things, bad things or things you don't like about teaching? Or is it all just, it's all good. There's just ups and downs with certain students. Well, sure. There's ups and downs. I mean, I guess the, the downside for me is um, that I don't get to eat dinner with my family every night anymore. <laughs> That's my fault. <laughs> It's because it's the nature of the job, right? right. And so it, it's not a, a thing that is in any anyone's control. That's when students are available is right. during dinner time. So, um, but it's giving my kids good opportunity to learn how to cook. So that is true, <laughs> and more time for you to have to not cook. Right. <laughs> right. How how do you deal with student frustration? I mean, I know at least from playing guitar, it can be so frustrating when you first learn because your fingers hurt with a guitar. You don't make the proper sounds to begin with. And I'm assuming that piano students also get frustrated. I know when my daughter's practicing, I've had to take her away from the piano because she'll get mad and like slam the keys. And that's still happening now when she's 16 years old. So She's playing some really hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when a student gets frustrated, it's it could be... Um, it could be any number of things, right? It could be that they're not practicing enough. It could be that the instrument they're practicing on at home is not um, sufficient for the um, assignments that I'm giving them, which is also a difficult uh, problem to solve without throwing money at it. Um, it could be that they just um, don't get the logic thing that I'm trying to teach them. And so sometimes I have to sort of you know, approach it differently. Like, um, I don't like using flashcards, um, to, to, to reinforce the notes. I like to use experience. You sit down and you, and you read and you put your hands on the piano and that's how you learn how to read it. Um, but I have resorted to, to trying different techniques, um, like flashcards or, or some games, um, with things like that. A, A lot of the frustration, can change if you just sort of approach it from a different angle. Right. And so now one of my favorite questions to ask all the teachers is what is it like teaching here as opposed to other places? And you don't have to be nice. You can be mean. I don't care. <laughs> you can say, tell it like it is. Okay. Well, um, I really like um, having my own studio, which I did not have before. Um, I was at a place before where I shared a studio with another piano teacher and um, because of that, I had to lug all my favorite pencils back and forth. Um, and also the studio just wasn't available to me to expand um, to expand my students to be able to teach more. Um, I like the having the little grand piano out in the um, performance area. I think that's really unique. Mm-hmm. here to, to be able to sort of pull a student out and say, okay, well, this is what it's going to feel like when we play a recital, or let's just compare how, how the two different instruments feel. Um, that's been really nice. Um, 
I guess maybe one of the downsides is having Kevin near me teaching drums. <laughs> sometimes I can still hear him even with all that soundproofing you've done. But we usually want to close the door. It's uh, I'm sure you probably hear it in your sleep at times. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. You're, you're loud, buddy. <laughs> so you don't just teach piano. You also teach your children. How did you get into homeschooling? Homeschooling, yes. Um, well, the very beginning of it is that um, I'm the fifth of six children. I went to public school, but my oldest brother was having kids when I was little. <laughs> so, and his wife homeschooled his children before it was. Um, before anybody knew what homeschooling was. Right. So it that was sort of always in the back of my mind as a thing that could be done. And um, so then, actually, I'm trying to think. I think my husband and I had the homeschooling conversation before we were married, maybe even. Just like, a, I wonder what it would be like, and, I, and it's possible I might want to do that. So um, it's been something that's always been in my mind. But then when my um, daughter was, my oldest daughter was uh, two or three, it, I was starting to really um, research and um, and figure out, you know, can I, should I, if I was going to, how how would I? And right. It just kind of fell into a little rabbit hole and, and loved what I was finding. And, and, and I don't know how you do it. I I could never sit there and come up with lesson plans for kids. That's why I don't teach music either, because mm -hmm. my patience level is down here and it needs to be up here near mm -hmm. a 10 and I'm maybe a two with the <laughs> patience level. So, I, I mean, how do you? Well, I mean, I follow a curriculum that's sort of laid out for me, um, like for math. It, it's literally a script that I read. Oh, really? <laughs> so, um, so other smarter people than me have done a lot of that work for me um, as far as the subjects that you that I have to sit down with my children and actually teach. For the bulk of their studies, they read their own stuff and um, and then all I just have to do is figure out how to get them to prove that they've learned what they read about. So it's not necessarily a bunch of lesson plans. So, so have they tried to pull one over on you? Um on more than one occasion? <laughs> Really, no. um, sometimes they don't get their work done uh, in time when I hope that they will. But, but yeah. Well, how does the principal's office work with homeschooling? Uh, <laughs> is that wait till your dad gets home, or is it rarely used? <laughs> um, but yeah, so Daddy would be the principal. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, if something's not happen happening, then uh, he sometimes has to step in, but not very often. He, but he's also my husband is in a science field, so he's been very handy to have around um, in high school when I um, bet. when we're doing sciencey stuff that he can he can uh, tell whether or not they know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. I did, I had no idea what your husband does, so that's cool that he's in the science. What about the chickens? You have chickens. I do. And in fact, just a couple of days ago, I got some new babies. So um, that was my sort of uh, COVID project. So right before COVID hit, a friend of mine had, she had four hens that she, and she was just tired of taking care of them. And I was curious about, about having chickens. So she literally took her whole coop and run and put it on a trailer and brought it over to my house. And I inherited her whole setup and four birds. So that was really fun. And then when COVID hit, we went and got some babies. 
Okay. And so now, um, take some, lose some. We're up to ten. We have about ten birds right now. Four of them are just hatched this week, so they're tiny. Oh wow, baby and babies! In a separate little house with their little heat lamp. They're really cute. <laughs> <laughs> now, are these egg layers, or are they? I hope so. So, of the the big girls that I have, the six older ones, uh, five of them are still laying. So. I'm getting four or five eggs a day, which is really fun. That is very... I, my in-laws used to do the chicken thing, mm-hmm. and it was so great for years we didn't have to buy any eggs. Mm-hmm. Because well, I'm still buying eggs, which is why I bought four more babies, because so I'm <laughs> hoping maybe next year I won't have to buy eggs. <laughs> yeah, theirs were... It was insane. They couldn't give away enough eggs <laughs> because those things were laying so much. Those goals. <laughs> and, and, then, and then they went to the, uh, the meat chickens, and that was insane because it was just like... A couple of weeks, and that bird couldn't walk anymore, and that was it. And it was time nice. to turn yeah, it into I dinner. Yeah, not done that rabbit yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I hear that those kinds of things are addictive, so we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure. Now, I'm going to circle back to teaching. Okay. But this time, I want to know, I guess you could call it parent education. What do you want parents to know about music education, about piano in particular, about um, how you want students to practice, learn, understand? Okay, so... I told you to ask me that, so I should have had some notes or something. Now I'm going to go off the cuff. Um, Those are the best answers. Yeah, right? So I think um, sometimes it's help. parents can help their students practice. When it's a very young student, I like for that to happen, if possible, for the parent to sit with a student. One of the things they can do is just point at the music as they're playing because it's really difficult for young children to track with their eyes, especially if they're looking back and forth between the page and their hands. So that's just a really easy thing, not like you're teaching them. You're just kind of pointing along the page to help them know where to put their eyes. Um, but timers are really helpful too, and that I guess that doesn't have to be apparent. But I found when I was teaching my kids piano, I would put a timer on for say 15 minutes and say, you know, this is what you need to do. You just need to practice for 15 minutes and see how much you can, can you finish your whole assignment in 15 minutes? And if you can't, that's also okay, especially with a really young uh, child. Right. Their attention span starts to wane after 15 minutes. So you don't want to push a six or seven-year-old for a 30-minute practice session because those last 10 minutes were just wasted. Right. Their, their mind is already... Um, at its limit. Mush. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's one way that parents can help is just to sort of understand where their child's um, attention span is and to help them stay on task for those however many minutes that the parent thinks um, makes sense or, or I can help them with that if they're not real sure. But then as they get older, obviously, um, it's a matter of, of, of setting some sort of routine around practicing. So if your kid is always practicing while you're fixing dinner, for example, that's a really good amount of time for, a, say, a 10 or 15-year-old kid. Then that's 30 or 45 minutes, right? That's right. the amount of time it takes you to fix dinner. And they've practiced for those 45 minutes, and it's the same every day. And it's at the same time. And so it's expected, and it becomes a habit. Right. Um, so just little routines like that can be really helpful as well. And trying not to um, make practice time a battle 
It right. would be really helpful as well if you can find ways to let it be something that the child looks forward to. Maybe by by saying, "Wow, that sounds really good. I like that new song. What's it called?" You know, becoming interested in in what the child, the student is, is right. learning. Instead of, "Did you practice your twenty minutes?" and the timer didn't go off yet. Are you sure you're done? Um, so trying to find a way to make it a little bit more rewarding. And that, and that sounds like my mother, when she took piano lessons, it was that you will sit there and you will practice for 30 minutes and you don't move till you're done. And she finally said, I'm not going to learn to play the piano. So she quit. Right, right. Because if, if there's conflict around it, then it, it, it loses its sort of... Joy, right? And and what I want, I mean, it's it's really, really like you were. I was saying a minute ago when you were saying it's fun to listen to me play. Well, it's really fun to play. And right. if we if we turn the practice session into a battle, then we're stealing that away from right from the students. Right, and I see it now with like my daughter. Now she's hitting her teen years. Sometimes we just we don't even say anything about it anymore because it was becoming a battle. So I'm just, I'd always be, I didn't hear any piano today. And she'd get mad at me. And then I'd find out yeah. later she was actually playing up in her room on her little, on her electronic keyboard instead of downstairs in the piano. I'm like, yeah. oh, my bad. Right. And of course, there has to be this balance, right? We have to be the parent and we need to right. keep them accountable to make sure that they really are right. doing what they're responsible for doing. Yeah. So it's it's hard to find that balance. Sometimes. It is. <laughs> it is. Anything else? And Any questions that you think I missed? Or anything else you want to add? Well, um, I'm having a lot of fun with this new instrument that you put in my studio. So, so it was. <laughs> you said it was built in 1890. 1894, according yeah. to uh, the guys that bought it here. That is really really cool. Um, but anyway, so I've got a real piano in my studio now, which is really fun. So, so then it's just really fun to to go. So this afternoon. I went into my studio and played a piece that I'm working on. Right. Um, I like to perform sometimes, not always, at um, my students' recitals, too, just to kind of give them some inspiration where you, right. where you get Right. Th- this is where it could go one day. Yeah. So anyway, so I was practicing um, on the piano that you put in my studio, mm-hmm. and it's real bright and... Um, and just kind of brassy. It's got this really fun, bright sound. And then I stepped out into the performance area and played the same piece on that grand, on the little baby yep. grand you've got out there. And it was like complete, a completely different instrument. Yep. It's much more mellow. And um, anyway, it was just really, really fun. So, so it, that's one of the things I think that's fun and also challenging about um, piano because every student that I have is practicing on a completely different right. instrument at home than what they're having their lessons on. So um, there's just always challenges with with that because I can't strap my instrument to my back to no, make sure that I've always got this instrument that I'm comfortable with and that right. I like the sound of or whatever. So you kind of got to take what you've got um, as a pianist, which is... Sometimes fun and sometimes frustrating. <laughs> but we've got two very, very different instruments now in right. this building. So students can even just get a contrasting experience of different instruments. Yeah, that one that... Their lesson in the end. Let's go out and play it on the grand and see how it sounds up there. Right. And that's another thing I love here is the students play the grand too because it gives them a new experience, new exposure mm-hmm. to a different instrument. And going back to the one that we just put in your studio, the... When 
somebody's playing that it reminds me of one that would be like in a in a saloon yeah. in the wild west it's yeah. got that that's that bright sort of that bright sound, sound. Yep. that it's got yeah exactly it's fun it's yeah fun. yeah i, I think actually it. had a student today um i think it was one of my adult students she was just fascinating it's a beautiful piece of furniture as well as being a right. instrument to play um but we opened up the top and she said i wonder if it smells like an old piano <laughs> and it's really funny, but it, you know, it just smells like an old piece of furniture yep. inside there, and um, it brought back all kinds of memories from my um, my high school piano teacher who had a big old upright like that and yep. a baby grand in her living room, both next to each other. Oh wow! But the whole room when we opened that thing up, and I, you know, pulled my mask down so I could sniff mm-hmm. it, and I was like, oh, that smells like Mrs. Weldon's living room. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Well, that's all the questions I have for you. So unless you have anything else, I think I can let you go home. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it.